We'll start in uh, verse 16. <coughs> Paul is being compelled by the Holy Spirit to go to uh, Jerusalem. And every place he stops, they warn him, don't go there. You're going to be arrested. But he goes, and eventually, as a result of that, and of the Lord's providence, he's going to wind up in Rome. And there in Rome, he's going to be assigned a soldier from the Praetorian Guard to watch over him day by day, different soldiers. And because of that, the Bible says that the gospel went throughout all the palace, and that word palace is a Praetorian Guard. There was a special elite group of soldiers that the Caesar kept close by for his protection. And so he wants to stop on the way at Ephesus and talk to the elders there. And we begin in verse 16 of chapter 20. For Paul had determined to sell by Ephesus because he would not spend the time in Asia, for he hasted if it were possible for him to be at Jerusalem the day of Pentecost. And from Miletus, Miletus is on the coast. Maybe they stopped there to resupply. Uh, but <clears throat> Ephesus is inland and he sends a runner, somebody to go tell the leaders there at the church at Ephesus to come and see him. And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know, from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying and weight of the Jews. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. Testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greek, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save or accept that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me or wait for me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that ye all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. And so here's a man who had taught them night and day, publicly and privately, whose heart embraced them 
And he knows that uh, these are going to be the last time that he sees them, and these are going to be the last words that he has to say to them. And so in that context, these remaining verses here are some of the most powerful verses in all the Bible. Some of the most emotional verses in all the Bible. One of the greatest views that we have into Paul. And so here's what he says. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost have made you overseers, to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. So he says, watch out, be alert. For I know this, that after my departing, so grievous wolves entering among you, not sparing the flock, and also of your own selves, so men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day. And now, there, and now brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them that are sanctified. I have covered no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I have showed you all things how that so laboring you ought to support the weak, to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it's more blessed to give than receive. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they all wept sore and fell on his and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more, and they accompanied him unto the ship. This morning I want to try to stir you up and stir myself up again and being more involved in the Bible uh, this coming year uh, than the last year. And when Paul, when Paul talked to these, not these elders, not only did he express his love, but he, he said a very powerful statement there in verse 32, that I commend you to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Paul didn't have someone to leave with them. They already were an organized church. But what, what would benefit them? What, what, what final words could he give them in knowing that if they would follow that, that they would be all right? And he says, get in the Bible. Get into the Bible. And he tells them that it's going to, it'll build them up. It'll strengthen them. It'll enable them. If you're thinking this morning that 
2024 is going to be better than 2023, you're delusional. And particularly in the religious realm of things, they're going to start uh, making more and more laws that's going to affect uh, New Testament churches. And so what should we do? Well, we need to get into God's word that'll build us up. Not only does it build us up, but it'll help us to grow. Like First Peter, we just, we're going through the verses here in, the, in your pamphlet. In First Peter 2.2, 2, Peter says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. That babies... Uh, need to be fed newborns uh, often, <laughs> sometimes every four hours, sometimes uh, more than that. And so he's saying that you and I should have a thirst, a hunger, a desire to be in the Bible. He tells us in Psalms 19 but the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And that word simple there means they're open-minded. And, he, and it's talking about when you get the Bible, it's going to make wise the simple. When you get into the Bible, you're going to become a closed mind person. Because once you know the truth, your mind is closed. Anything else is not the truth. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The command of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired than gold. And... If you lived here long in Alaska, you'll know that gold is an important business, important metal. It, uh, it's a major chunk of what goes on in Alaska. Yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. And so... There's something very, very, very special about God's word. And to neglect it is to our own hurt. Peter also said, but grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And the only way to grow is to experience the Lord and know the Lord. We're in uh, studies in Psalms 119, and pastor's been emphasizing Psalms 119. And this next section that we're going to get in, it, it says that, that this word, if you're saved, that this word will keep you from sin. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? by taking heed thereunto according to thy word. I think sometimes people 
think that uh, you know the word of God can be applied and work for all all people. But the natural man receives not the things of God, for they need to be spiritually discerned. And whether we're counseling a family that's having marital problems or we're counseling someone individually and he's having some struggling with life and <clears throat> listen, we cannot help a person until he's saved. Just, we're wasting our time. We need to, we need to, we want to, we want to say, well, this is what the, you know, the Bible says that husbands love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And, but he doesn't know how Christ loved the church. He has no experience in his own life what has happened. And so the need has to be salvation and go back to salvation. But once we're saved, the word of God works. And when Jesus was tempted, of course, uh, there for 40 days, every time he was tempted, he quoted a scripture. It is written, it is written. And he said in Luke 4, 4, it is written that man should not live by bread alone. Job said, neither have I gone back from the commandments of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. All of us are different oriented and start our days at a different time. But maybe if we would strive to get up just 30 minutes before we have to go to work or before we eat breakfast. And consider that I need to get into God's word before I even eat my food. That it's more, it's, it's more needful for me spiritually and, and in my life than uh, the food. And, of course, a lot of us could uh, miss a few meals anyway. He said in 119 again, in 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so imagine that we are in a, a swampy country, maybe maybe down in the Everglades and there's a path that goes through there but it's a very narrow path and there's swamp on both sides and, the, and it's cloudy and it's dark as could be and to fall off on one side may be alligators, the other side may be uh, the snakes that have, that have invaded that country, uh, constrictors and, and, uh, and we would want a, a flashlight. We would want some light to stay on the path. Well, our children and even ourselves, they step out into a world where they're going to find themselves on, on some very dangerous places, on paths that if they veer to the right or veer to the left, it could be catastrophic. And and we need, to, we need to have a flashlight. We need to have some guidance in this world. And I'm going to chase a lot of rabbits today. We probably won't get through this, but maybe uh, we can finish it next week. But uh, it's interesting when you, when you think about counseling that, uh, and, 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 um, and counseling is not always a negative thing, okay? Uh, 
When you think about counseling, the very, where, where do you think the very first example of counseling is in the Bible? The giving of advice, the giving of a direction, counseling. Well, it's in Genesis, the first chapter. And before the fall. And he told Adam and Eve that they were to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And he gave them advice and he gave them a counsel about their life. And the point is this, is that those who need counsel, it's just human to need counsel. When we're raising our children, you need to counsel them how to tie the shoes. <laughs> I mean, you need to counsel them, counsel them. It's training, it's counseling. And so counseling is not a bad thing. The counseling is a necessary thing. And the Lord gave counsel, as I said, even before the fall. And then what happened is Satan came along and he gave some more counseling. Different counseling. And it plunged the whole world into chaos. And, and we need a light for our path. Somehow we begin to think after we get saved that, you know, hey, you know, I got it, I'm in control. I got it in control. But I understand that, that all people need counsel. It's human to need counsel. And where we get the greatest counsel is in God's word. That, that it's, it's a, a light to my path. Also, we're just talking about the necessity and why, why should we be involved in, in uh, more Bible study and reading this coming year. Also, it's our offensive weapon when we are tempted and tried and attacked by the flesh and by Satan in the world. And in Ephesians, it says the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, that the armor that is given to us in Ephesians, it's the, the, the uh, sword of the spirit. It's the word of God. Now, let's uh, get some practical things here. What is necessary? What is necessary for me to establish my life to set some guidelines this coming year in order to have an effective time with the Lord. And remember that as we begin to look at some of these things, remember that uh, it's a battle. It's a battle to be alone in the Word of God. Satan doesn't want you to be there. Satan wants you to fall off the path. Satan wants your sword to be dull and, and not be able to war and come up with, it is written, it is written. This is what God's Word says. I'm not going to do that because that's what it says here. And uh, if he can keep us from the word, then the philosophy of the world are going to invade your mind and your heart. And so we take the example of Daniel 
Daniel there being in captivity, and uh, they had been told that uh, they weren't to worship anybody but Nebuchadnezzar. And chapter in the, on the page three at the top, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, the writing was the law that was put in effect not to worship any other god, but, but the god of the king. When he found out that it was signed, and remember uh, those repercussions for doing this, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber towards Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And I know that the Muslims bow and pray three times a day and they have their minarets and the guy calls out for a time of prayer and they all go and pray and it's all nothing but uh, showmanship. It's, and maybe it's more than that, just being deluded. But Daniel's not doing that. Daniel, in no place that I can find do I find in the scripture that God commanded them to pray three times a day. You guys know me? But Daniel found it necessary. He thought it was necessary to get along with the Lord three times a day. And so, uh, whether you want to say, well, he's not studying the Bible, well, we don't know, but we do know that he's having a quiet time. He's having a time with the Lord. And so let's note some things that, that uh, we can find here. First of all, he had a specific time, three times a day. He didn't have a rich watch, but he had a conscious, a conscious fact that it's morning, noon, and night. And he had a time. Listen, whether you're uh, fixing the leaky faucet or, or the squeaky door or having a time alone in the Bible, you've got to have time. I'm going to do this now. Because if you don't hold yourself to a time, it gets pushed back time after time after time. Some are night people. They're not my kind of people. <laughs> uh, I'm a morning person. But you need to, there needs to be a time. And we need to fight for that time. If we're going to be in God's word, and, and I hope the first part of this showed you the importance of it, we got to have a time. A church that is weak, spiritually and morally, is comprised of members that just come 
to be spoon-fed on Sundays and Wednesdays. No. You wouldn't eat that way. And your spirit needs to be fed. And so he, he had a time. Jesus, in Mark 1.25, he, it says of Jesus, you won't need to turn there, but Mark 1.25, it says, uh, it says that that's the wrong verse. Okay, I checked, I checked some of these, but I didn't check that one. Anyway, he got up a great while before day and went out and prayed. Then Daniel had a specific place. It seemed like that if you have a specific place, then it, it helps your mind to come into focus that, that I am here at this moment not to check my cell phone, not to see what the temperature is, <laughs> not to see what the weather report's gonna be, but I've sat down here to this uh, specific place and, this, and my mind is uh, that I need to get to work or I need to read. I cannot, I, I've never been able to do ministerial studies from home I got to come to the office. And there's just a mindset about me that when I come into the office, it's time to work. Well, we need a place. And sometimes uh, that may be hard to fight for. Here's a mom. She's got four or five kids. And uh, if you've not recognized it yet, you, you soon will. Kids are needy. And sometimes the only way to get away from, Susie, to get away from our eight and my daughter Joanna, who has seven, just, just go into the bathroom <laughs> and, and get away. Well, we need to fight for a place. And uh, that doesn't, it could be... Um, any place that just needs to be a private place. Maybe in your car. Maybe going early to work. Maybe a specific room in your house where your children are not up yet or if they're up and they've been, had their diapers changed and whatever, uh, they need to just know that this is a time that mom's gonna be away for a little bit, or dad, or in a park. And I won't embarrass us this morning, but do you have a place that you get alone with God? We need to have a plan. He said there that he, that he went and prayed and gave thanks before God as he did aforetime. That, that he, there was something that he was doing over and over, aforetime. There was a plan. 
And he planned the work and worked the plan. And it may be that you would want to have uh, some helps there. Have a pencil and paper and taking notes. But uh, I would just encourage you this morning to have a plan. Now, if you turn to the next page, and I don't know if I'll spend a lot of time here unless uh, my time's already shot and we need to come back next week. Yeah, I got 15 minutes. I think a part of reading the Bible ought to also be a time of prayer. And this uh, little hand of prayer is one of the best ones that I've ever found. I would change the illustration of the hand a little bit, and that is I would put intercession on the ring finger and petition on the pinky. As you see that, confession, adoration, thanksgiving, petition, and intercession. I'm not saying that you've not prayed if you've not done all those. But I'm saying that you've had some, if you have some time and you've got this place, that these are all important and they're all, they all link together and they all kind of seem to, in the end, work to where you may have came to your place of quiet place, stirred up, troubled. And uh, in following this hand of prayer, you can get up and leave knowing that God's sovereign, knowing that his grace is sufficient, and knowing that the purpose is to bring him honor and glory. I read a great illustration. This, uh, this kindergarten class, one of the mothers of the kindergarten class in this Christian school asked the teacher if, if she could have a birthday party at the end of the day for her daughter with the kindergarten children. And he, and he said, sure. And so uh, she decorated the room, gave a little party favors, little presents to, on the chairs of all of the children. Uh, and of course, uh, uh, a number of presents to her daughter. And they let him in and they were all excited. And there's one little boy who, being very perceptive, looked at the little party favors that he got and looked over there and saw all the presents that she was getting. And uh, he was disturbed. And he, and he made it known that he was disturbed. Why didn't he get as much as she got? How come she's getting this and that? And, and it went on for a while with him being like a bullfrog and puffing up and causing problems. And finally, uh, his mother or one of the mothers there came 
and got his attention and had his hand, his face in her hands and said, look at me, look at me, Johnny. It's not your party. Now, let me tell you something. This life that we're living, it's not our party. It's about giving God glory. It's not our party. And we think it's all about us. And so this hand of prayer, I think, really helps in that way. And the key is right there, I don't know if you even notice it, but right there in the palm, faith. Without faith, it's possible to please God. Let him ask in faith. And he said, don't think that you're going to get anything if you don't ask in faith. Faith. The first thing on the thumb is confession. If I'm going to try to have a time with the Lord where I can express my heart, then uh, I need to, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. First John says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so I want to try to clear the field. I want to be, be able to communicate with the Lord with my slate clean. Why is it, <laughs> why is it, maybe some people don't, uh, but why is it that we often struggle with being in prayer? And if anyone would say, well, I prayed for an hour, I think, hmm, how'd that happen without falling asleep? <laughs> or how did that happen? And, and why do we struggle in prayer? Because, because a lot of times we've not done this first thing. And listen, a heart cannot be at peace in the presence of God when he has sin in his life. A lot of times before I can pray, there's a confrontation going on in my heart with the Spirit of God and myself. And then secondly, adoration, worship. You know, maybe just find some scriptures and say them to the Lord and breathe them and live them as you're saying them. From the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. Praise ye the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, will I praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have my, my being. And he, uh, uh, Blessed be the Lord, my strength, which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight, my goodness, my fortress, my high tower, my deliverer, my shield, and he in whom I trust, who subdued my people under me, who subdueth my people under me. Well, many other verses you could get, but what I'm doing, I'm bragging on God, and I'm telling God, you're all powerful. Lord, I praise you for when the army of Egypt was behind The, the Israelites at the Red Sea, 
you parted the sea. I praise you that you're all knowing, you're all powerful. And so I'm telling, telling God everything that he already knows. But why do I need to do that? Because I forget that. And just as I mentioned a while back, you know, all these things are coming into my life and I don't know what's happening or what's going on. Why did this happen? And why did this happen? And why did you let this happen? And we, and we need to stop. Be still and know that he's God. That though the event that may have happened to us may have been a very sinful event. Let's take the, the greatest example we can. I mean, a horrible example. A woman has been raped. And how she responds to that and how we respond to her in love and kindness and, and reaching out to them. But, how, but, but, but even though terrible things have happened to us, it doesn't give us a right to violate God's word. And so I have to come to the place to say, yes, it happened, and it's terrible, and I've been wounded. But God's sovereign, and he let it happen. And then to understand that his grace will take me through it. And in the end, he's going to get glory for it. And so I adore him. Sometimes, sometimes uh, adoration and thanksgiving can kind of flow over. But when we're thanksgiving, we're trying to be grateful. And everything give thanks for this is the will of God. You want to be in God's will. One of the very specific things that the Bible says about being in God's will is giving thanks. And I want you to know, what should we give thanks for? What's it say? In everything. That's to acknowledge that God is sovereign. That God has a will. That God can take the worst imaginable thing that could happen to us and make Romans 8.28 very real. All things work together for good to those that love God or call according to his purpose. And then intercession, I put intercession before petition. Intercession is praying for other people. Samuel was called upon to pray for Israel and he said, Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I would sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I'll teach you the good and the right way. Maybe you need to make a prayer list. Maybe there's someone just that you want to pray for. The Bible tells us to pray for our leaders. And then petition would be specific request for myself. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 
Why do I put petition last? Because, because I've come to the Lord and I'm slamming doors and kicking dogs and yelling at people I shouldn't be yelling at. And uh, I asked myself, why are you doing this? And it's usually because uh, I'm trying to carry something that I shouldn't be. Or I'm making assumptions that turn out they're wrong. But when I confess, and then, and then when I give adoration, I come to my quiet place and God is about the size in my mind of a grapefruit. And as I begin to adore him, it gets as big as a basketball. And as I begin to consider who he is and that nothing is impossible with God, he comes as big as the sun. bright and shining and warm. And if I stay there long enough, I'll realize that he, he's bigger than all that he created. And so what I'm saying is, when I get, then I thank him for what I do have. <laughs> and then I pray for other people. Then I find at the end here that my my list of prayer requests have kind of just been wiped out. And I realize that he's, he's in control. And that's not to say that we shouldn't pray for specific things. But when we pray for specific things, understand that God always answers. Sometimes it's yes, <laughs> and sometimes it's no, and sometimes it's wait. But he does hear. And he does answer. And so, I'm uh, trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to save this last part and we'll take more time with it. But I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm trying to get you to uh, commit yourself to get into a quiet time. Only you can do it. Only I can do it. What happens oftentimes is what uh, one guy wrote this little article called the tyranny of the urgent. And that things pop up and they're urgent things. They've got to be dealt with. And, and if, we don't, if we're not careful, they become a tyrant in our lives. And we need to fight for that quiet time. Let me, um, let me just point out next week we'll we'll just uh, talk about how to meditate on God's word and you've I've done this before some of you can probably teach the lesson yourself but I want to say something about the verses that I've put in here they begin at the bottom of page seven where it says meditation verses but what I've tried to do I, I, the last part of the year I thought, I'm going to, okay, uh, this true confession time, I guess. 
I've never read the Bible through in one year. I've tried it, and uh, I've read my three chapters, closed, and said, uh, what did I read? And so what I've done in these here verses, there's not even, you know, 365 of them. There's just, uh, I don't even know if there's 52 of them. But what I've tried to do is pick out some of the favorite verses of people and ask you to take some time just to look at them and, and use this meditation thing to, to uh, uh, mull over them like a, like a cow chewing its cud, you know? It's ate the, ate the alfalfa, its belly's full, its first belly, and then it goes and uh, lays down and burps it back up and chews it again. And, and uh, we just need to slow down and let God speak to us. Did you know the Bible says that the hair chooses cud? Did you know that? And the scientific world says, there you see it right there. There's an error in the Bible. A rabbit chooses cud. Well, what he does is he eats and he knows what he's eaten, and I guess he knows how much he's got from it. I don't know, he probably doesn't know anything, it's just all instinct. But he poops out those little pellets, and he eats them again. And he does chew his cud. He just doesn't chew it like, like uh, a cow does. Now don't be trying that, Logan. I saw you smiling over there. Don't be trying that. That's just for rabbits. It sounds gross, but it's not. It's the way God made them. And that's why they can survive here in this terrible climate of Alaska. Okay? All right. If you will, keep this. And uh, we'll review it next week. I mean, give you some more. But if you will, will you at least acknowledge God and lay this out before him? And say, Lord, I want to be in your word. Help me to be in your word. Lord, I want to know you. And the power of your resurrection. And the fellowship of your suffering. The greatest resource that any Christian has is right here. And God, uh, forgive me for neglecting it. Even as a preacher, you can go and study it to, to feed your people. But in all of that, you grow weak and weary because you're not eating your own food. All right. I don't know how to make this any more powerful, but...
Don't, don't treat God as someone that's like a doctor giving you recommendations for certain medicine and you're trying to make up your mind whether you want to or not. You can't neglect the Bible and it not, it not have repercussions that are bad. Okay? All right.